and welcome to Until All Have Heard from the Far East Broadcasting Company. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Today we have a very special treat. We have great friends of this ministry. We're going to meet one of them today. Ed sat down recently to talk with our good friend Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth, author, speaker, radio host, Revive Our Hearts. Nancy's new book is The First Songs of Christmas. And uh, Nancy and Ed have a great uh, relationship, their families together. And we just thought it'd be fun for Ed and Nancy to sit down together. So let's uh, let's review their conversation now here on Until All Have Heard. And Ed begins by describing their relationship. I've known Nancy since probably early 2000s, Nancy, when we first started working together at Moody Bible Institute. Uh, Moody was publishing your books. We had your program on the radio. And the first really interaction I remember us having was when you were discussing the possibility of having women's conferences. How has that gone? Well, that's been amazing. But let me just backtrack here a second and say what sweet friends you and Mary Jean have been to me. You've been such encouragers. And I I love your love for Christ, your love for His Word, your love for the gospel, and your love for taking the gospel to the world. Mm. So whether it was when you were at Moody or now in these years at FEBC, which has just been such a great fit for you, uh, what a joy it's been to see how God's using you to spread the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the furthest corners of the earth. And every time we get together or talk, it seems like you've just gotten off a plane from some far-flung part of the world. And you always have stories of what God is doing. You encourage my faith. You challenge me to believe God for what might seem impossible. So those conferences you referred to were one of the things when we first talked about it um, 12, 15 years ago about doing a national conference for women. And I'm thinking, this is bigger than I could possibly do. But isn't that what the gospel is? It's God doing things that are bigger and greater and different than what we could ever do, starting with our salvation, but then how he uses us in ministry. If we just aim for what we think is doable and what we think is possible, we're going to miss what God wants to do in uh, reaching people and discipling them in their faith in Christ. So yes, we've been doing the True Woman Conferences, Revive Conferences for women, mostly in the States, but each one we have um, many women either coming in person or joining us via live stream to seek the Lord, to get replenished and refilled. Our uh, byline as a ministry, revive our hearts. That's the prayer. That's what we're longing God for God to do. But then we say that we're calling women to freedom, fullness, and fruitfulness in Christ. And that's a message that is timeless. It's always relevant because Christ is, we all need Christ. We all need him all the time. That's where we get our freedom and our fullness. He makes us fruitful. Uh, But also, it's a message that more than I would have ever believed is cross-cultural. It crosses cultural boundaries. barriers and divides. And when we first started doing this ministry, of course, it was in English. It was for mostly women in the United States. But we're finding, and you've helped us to see, that women all around the world are hungry to know more of Christ, to experience His reality in their lives. And we're finding that the message to women is being well-received in even parts of the world, um, Muslim countries, places where you think you know, maybe that might not go over so well, but as women are realizing as we open God's word that they matter to God, that he loves them 
as women, that he values them, and that he has a purpose for not just men in this world, but also for their lives as women. And you've been one who's really helped me to see that and to uh, strike out and uh, uh, you know move forward into some parts of the world we might not have thought would have been so open. Wow. You know, there's so many things we could talk about today, but on this on this subject of conferences, I've had the privilege to serve on uh, Revive Our Hearts advisory board for a number of years. I've seen the involvement of the staff in preparing for these conferences and heard about the great uh, results and the number of women that participate and the testimonies from them about what those conferences have done for them. But for the first time here just a few months ago, Nancy, I had the opportunity to actually visit one. And I came to Indianapolis with Mary Jean. And when Mary Jean and I were in the presence of those thousands of women uh, and you were speaking and Dana Goresh was speaking uh, and Chris Brooks was speaking, the atmosphere in that room was unworldly. It was different than anything I've experienced anywhere. I can't describe it exactly. But the joy on the faces of the people, uh, the friendship that was communicated through a casual glance, eye-to-eye contact with someone, and you knew there was no hatred in their heart. There was no animosity. We were brothers and sisters in Christ. It didn't even need to be expressed. You understood it. And um, it was just an electric environment that was all focused on living lives for Christ. But I want to move on from the conference because that's just a little part of your ministry When I first started working with you, Nancy, it's the books you've written where you pour your heart out onto the pages of the books that uh, Moody has published, and you've got some new books now you're working on, and your radio program. Um, The reason that I was really willing to serve and the reason I wanted to serve on your board was because of the impact that I know your content has made in the lives of millions of women. Um, your winsome nature as you speak to women about God's message of biblical womanhood um, is is unique. It's one of a kind, and I genuinely appreciate that. So we're so grateful that you're willing to go on another 15 years, I think, we've got <laughs> before we— As long as God <laughs> gives me breath, that's my yeah, hope. And, yeah. you know, the words are so powerful— uh, spoken words, written words, because God is a God who speaks. In the beginning, God said. He spoke. That's an amazing thing that God would speak to us. And then the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And that's what we celebrate year round, but particularly at Christmas. Uh, it, the word put on humanity, put on flesh and came and lived among us. I, I think those of us who've been around the gospel and Christian things for much of our lives, maybe get we get too accustomed to it. It becomes a little ho-hum to us, and we forget the wonder that God would condescend to come from heaven to earth, to become a man, to live our life, to experience our sorrows, to die the death we deserve for our sin, and then to give us his word, to give us, you know, we didn't live 2,000 years ago. How would we know? What happened back then, that first Christmas, if God had not given his word to apostles and prophets and had them inspired them by his Holy Spirit to write it down for us so we read his word and then our ministry through what you're doing there at FEBC, through what we do at Revive Our Hearts is picking up this word and shining light on it 
and helping men and women, young and old, around the world to understand what God has said to us through His Word. So my words, nor yours, can transform a person's life. Uh, They can't make any difference that is eternal. But God's Word makes all the difference. It transforms hearts. It changes lives. It gives eternal life. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And so when we write books, when we publish books, when we speak words on podcasts or radio programs, the power is not in our words. The power is in the word of God that we are sending forth. And the Holy Spirit is accompanying those words and winging their way into people's hearts so they might have eyes that are opened and ears that can hear they might believe and receive the gospel. That's that's why we do everything we do. That was just an amazing bit of uh, wisdom, I think, Nancy. And just a few months ago, I had the opportunity to introduce Nancy to our Russian-speaking staff. We have a number of women uh, in various countries, uh, former Soviet Union countries, that have a Russian-language background who we introduced to some of Nancy's teaching. These are women who are doing broadcasts, live, AM, FM, shortwave, social media, internet broadcasts to the um, former Soviet Union countries. These are countries that are deeply oppressed through alcoholism, spousal abuse, um, all sorts of uh, governmental-controlled problems. Uh, Many of them are primarily Muslim countries. And we had Nancy give a devotion for our uh, broadcasters. I think there was about 65 women, Nancy, on that uh, Zoom call that we had with them. And really, the I, I think people from these countries have a little bit of distrust for American Western people. You know, they're kind of like, well, you know, it's another American devotion that we're going to have. But the response from our staff there was so overwhelming because what they heard was similar to what Nancy just said. She points to Scripture. She points to God's Word. She points to the power of the gospel. And she does it in a way that you just heard that's so winsome, that's so real, that's so um, understandable and humble that she touched the hearts of these Russian-speaking broadcasters in a way that I haven't seen in a very, very long time. That was quite an amazing moment. And then I had the opportunity to go over there a few weeks after we were Uh, on the Zoom call. And Nancy, I think I told you, but so many of these women clutching your books, reading what you had said so that they too could use uh, their opportunity to broadcast to the audience the way that you do. And you're right. It's all about the power of God's word, but you do that in such a way that we're grateful uh, because it comes straight from your heart into the hearts of these women all across the world. Well, that was an amazing uh, couple of hours there. As you said, Ed, it was just a precious time, and I loved the hearts of those women. You know, I'm grateful to have grown up in a home that had a passion for world evangelization, for the nations coming to believe the gospel. And FEBC figured uh, prominently in some of that when I was a child. My dad, was a who's been in heaven now for over 40 years, but he took us uh, to South Korea when we were not a couple of us as children, and I was, I'm, I don't know, I'm remembering like maybe 
12 or 13 years of age on the particular trip I'm thinking about. And Billy Kim, my dad was preaching. My dad was a businessman, but uh, he loved preaching the gospel. And he would preach, and Billy Kim would translate the uh, longtime president of FEBC Korea. And uh, we would... Uh, my sisters and I, at, at times we would sing, and then I was given a couple of opportunities to speak in settings. Uh, much too young to be doing that, but uh, I loved Christ, loved the gospel, and I loved seeing what God was doing. We saw soldiers coming to faith in Christ. We saw um, people from all walks of life. Uh, you know that Billy Kim. I mean, he's just, yeah. and what is he, 89 today, still going 89. strong. Uh, he He's that he never gets tired of telling the old, old story of Jesus and his love. And God has used him and, a, and that team there in a significant way in South Korea, but all around the world in places where I could not go and teach and I would have language barriers and cultural barriers, but the gospel has no barriers. And, you know, the Apostle Paul said, pray that the run, word of God may run speedily through the earth. And that's what is happening. And you you all have been so creative and innovative in using different means and methods to get the gospel out. And you've stayed true for decades as a ministry to that vision, that mission. Uh, and I love seeing what God is doing through ways that, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, we would not have dreamed of some of the ways that we're able to get the gospel out today. Uh, so, Lord, Ed, I just pray that the Lord will give you and that team at FEBC many more years of fruitful proclamation of the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. It really is. It's an amazing privilege to be doing what we're doing and to just see what God is doing through you and those who support the ministry of FEBC with their prayers and their their investment financially. Well, thank you for those great words. I don't think it's an accident, uh, Nancy, that... uh, God has woven our careers together in such a way that now FEBC and Revive Our Hearts are talking about taking your biblical womanhood message to people in places like China and Indonesia and India and Russia and Pakistan, places where really there is no ministry for women. Yes, there's Christian ministry there. Yes, we have gospel broadcasting, but to tailor that message specifically to women who in many of those countries are really considered sort of second-class citizens, uh, I think God's timing is just right on this. And I think we will see an explosion of response from people all around the world to your message to women with the gospel. Well, we pray that would be so. Hey, you know, I, I, I we could keep talking like this all day. I just love talking with you about taking the gospel of the world. But I'm holding in my hand a book that you gave us here just a few months ago at one of your um, events. It's called The First Songs of Christmas, Meditations on Luke 1 and 2 by Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth. Nancy, this is a wonderful book. And I think that these messages, the way they're presented in this book, short, concise, one day at a time, walking through the songs um, of Christmas that are in the gospel, would be an excellent book for us to take to people around the world who may not have really studied these songs very much. What did you have in your heart when you wrote this book? What was your what was your primary intention putting this together? Well, those of us who've been around this a long time, as I've said, we need to have 
the wonder and the awe restored. Uh, those of us who've celebrated, I'm celebrating my 63rd Christmas this year, <laughs> and um, and it's it, it's always good news. But I think sometimes we forget what good news the gospel is, and then we forget about people around the world who still don't know that good news. And what I love about the, uh, especially the Gospel of Luke, you have the Christmas accounts in Matthew. Uh, as well, but Luke's accounts are particularly worshipful and beautifully written because you you see the participants in that first Christmas, Elizabeth and Zachariah, this elderly couple who longed for a child, uh, Mary, uh, the shepherds and the angels, the Simeon there in the temple. Through that whole span of that first Christmas, you see people from very different backgrounds. Of course, that Middle Eastern culture. And younger people, Mary probably a young teen, and Elizabeth and Zechariah, old folks who were way too old to have a child, but the gospel is about impossibilities. And they come together, their lives are woven together in the providence of God through the revelation that Jesus, the Messiah, is going to be born or has just been born in the case of Simeon. And they celebrate, they worship, and they tell others. They they can't keep this news to themselves. And so as we think about people around the world, in the United States, which has become increasingly secular and uh, and in many places don't know the gospel or are unresponsive to the gospel. They need Jesus desperately. And then you have parts of the world where there's been very little, if any, sharing of that good news being available. And I'm thinking about women in in poor places, women who have uh, uh, dysfunctional backgrounds, women who have oppressive backgrounds, people who come from rougher uh, backgrounds. You know, the shepherds, they We've romanticized them because of all the Christmas plays, but you think about them, these were coarse, hardworking, night shift guys, and God sends the angel choir to tell them that the Savior has been born in Bethlehem. You see, the gospel is good news, not just for people who live in palaces, not for people who are rich, not just for people who have power or influence, but for all the world, these good tidings came. So my goal was to unpack uh, these different stories stories and accounts in the Gospel of Luke, where you have some beautiful poetry written and how people responded to the news of that first Christmas. And it causes to well up within our own hearts the wonder of who Jesus is, that He came, why He came, and what it means for us, how we receive life through believing the gospel that Jesus has been born, He lived, He died, He rose again, and he lives in heaven for us. This is the good news that we share, beginning with the story of that first Christmas. Can I read just a few excerpts from your book? Referring to Simeon's song, Nancy writes about Simeon. She says, and he was waiting, something most of us find extremely hard to do. He was waiting for the Messiah. He was watching for God to act. He was concerned not only with himself— and his own pedantic matters, but with the people of his nation. His spirit-led heart was marked by integrity, devotion, and a living, prayerful, faithful hope. She goes on later to say, Simeon was different, and you and I can be different too, willing to stand out for what might make us look a little crazy, not because we're spiritually superior, but because we're looking and waiting for the only hope that's truly worth celebrating. That's beautiful to me. 
That's the kind of message I think that people living in the places that we minister to who are truly poor, who really don't have an opportunity to be in relationship in a local church or with a body of believers, can hang on to. And it's a message from Simeon to the world. As you said, not to the kings of the world or the people in palaces, but to all people to be patient, to wait on God's word, and to follow their heart with integrity and ethical behavior. And God will honor that. And Ed, one of the things I love about Simeon's song, his story, but in his response to the Lord, once he holds this newborn child in his arms there in the temple, he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. What's that? That's that's Jesus. My eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. The Jews had come to the place in their history where they thought, this is just for us. God is just for us. He's not for all those pagans out mm-hmm. there. We Just us. And they kept it to themselves. And then when Jesus came, they didn't even believe that he was the promised Messiah. But Simeon understood that God sent Jesus to be seen by all peoples of the earth, to be a light to the Gentiles and glory for the Jews. And so we think of people of every nation and tribe and language and ethnicity who will be gathered together around the throne of Christ Mm -hmm. in heaven to worship him for all eternity, because Jesus was sent to this earth, came to this earth, because he was born. And people like Simeon waited for him, praised him, but we long to see his return. We celebrate his birth. We worship him. And we're reminded that we're sent out to take this salvation of God to all the nations and peoples of the earth. So this is a, it's a, it's a, it's a message of evangelism. Mm-hmm. It's a message of faith. It's a message of not keeping this to ourselves, but making Christ known, mm-hmm. as you are doing through so many means there at FEBC, and as we're seeking to do it, revive our hearts, to make Jesus known to all the peoples of the earth. A conversation between FEBC President Ed Cannon and Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth of Revive Our Hearts. And as Nancy just said, the ministries complement each other. Revive Our Hearts supports FEBC. FEBC certainly supports Revive Our Hearts and all that Nancy represents. So what a great time to uh, get together with Nancy here on the podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. We will, of course, put additional information about ReviveOurHearts.com and Nancy's ministry in our program notes for Until All Have Heard. And of course, if you enjoyed the conversation about Nancy's new book, The First Songs of Christmas, you'll find more information about that in our program notes as well. Nancy DeMoss Walkenmuth, a very special friend of the Far East Broadcasting Company. I'm Wayne Shepherd for Ed Cannon. Thanks for listening. More information, of course, at febc.org. Look for the podcast there. Share the podcast with others that might be interested in the work of the Far East Broadcasting Company. Thanks for listening to Until All Have Heard.